Hey guys, his microphone's not working yet, so while they're working on that, I'm going to go ahead and make the announcement for the spring fellowship party. We are going to have it at my house this year, and um, I usually do things with kids, and so the, all families are invited, all the, the parents and the children, and we'll have lots of things for um, the kids to do as well. So please bring your families with you. And rather than passing around the sign-up sheet, what I did is just give you an index card and a reminder. If you could write on that index card your contact information and what you would like to bring, we're going to make it a barbecue. So we're going to try to do brisket and chicken and maybe some hot dogs for the kids. So we'll take care of the meat with your help. If you'd like to give some monetary donations towards purchasing the meat, that would be wonderful. Um, if you'd also like to bring some, any kind of side dishes, I'm not going to break it down. Just it's it's a family, okay? Just bring whatever you guys want to do. What you know, chips, drinks, put it on there. If we're lacking something through the weeks, we'll we'll let you know what we're lacking as far as uh, you know side dishes or whatever. But Whatever you'd like to do as far as the barbecue goes, please write it down along with your contact information. If you have an email address, that helps too. Phone numbers. And just drop it in the box in the back. I'll have this box sitting on the counter in the back. And then each week, um, if there's anything that we need to add or communicate, um, we'll do that and we'll have this in the back with some extra papers for those that maybe weren't here or, or misplaced them. You have any questions? And games, too, if you guys want to bring a game or something for the kids, you can write that down. All right. Thank you. And Danielle is working with me on this. So if you have any questions and you don't can't find me or you're closer sitting to her, then ask her because we're, we're going to be doing it together. All right. Thanks. Uh, what we'll do is I'll go ahead and leave it on here. And if we're recording anything, at least we'll be able to capture it. But I will just be real cognizant of my voice. So if, uh, you know, like Joe, you're all the way in the back. If I start trailing off, you say, bring it up, and I'll make sure I keep it up, all right? All right, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I'm Ryan. And uh, Sean's out of town. He asked me if I would mind filling in, and so uh, I am going to fill in for him. It's always a pleasure for me. Uh, I don't know about you all, but I enjoy it. And so uh, I'm looking forward to looking at sanctification this morning, which is what we're going to do. We're continuing on uh, with page 53 that uh, Sean had already handed out. I know there's extras in the very back on the table. If you don't have a page 53 and 54. Uh, so, like I mentioned, page 53 is where we're going to pick up and we're going to continue looking at sanctification uh, as we've been looking at uh, really the three parts of greater topic of salvation uh, over the past several weeks, and so uh, that's what we're going to dive into today. What I'd like to do is open up in prayer as we get started this morning, commit our time to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your grace and mercy toward us. Lord, we acknowledge that without your work on the cross, Lord, without your initiating love, or without your sacrifice, we would be hopelessly lost. And so we thank you with all of our hearts, Lord, that you have 
sought us out and that you have purchased us. Lord, not only that you have purchased us, but that you, through the work of sanctification, Lord, draw us closer to yourself, that uh, we are able to participate in becoming holy, Lord, as you are holy. Lord, that our conduct would be morally pure. Lord, that you would bring us from glory to glory. Lord, we acknowledge that we cannot do this on our own. Lord, if we were to try, we would fail. And yet we understand that it's through your spirit, Lord, and the working therein in our lives that we are able to be sanctified. Lord, that we are able to be made holy and made righteous and pure. And so, Lord, we lean upon you, Lord, entirely for the power to do this that you've commanded us to do. Lord, we love you and we thank you even for the sanctifying work you're doing this morning. Lord, that we are sanctified through the Spirit, Lord, and through your word. So open your word to us this morning that it might do its good work in sanctifying us. Lord, we love you and we commit our time to you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, let's get a little bit of a running start from where we were last uh, week or so, just so that we know exactly where we're coming from and where we're heading to. Uh, Last week, we were introduced to, at a high level, three distinctions in the process of salvation. And we looked at a few different terms. We looked at the first term, which was salvation itself. And we saw that term, spent the majority of our time really last week learning about that. And then that term is used in two different ways when we're looking at it. Can everybody remember (laughs) what two ways we use that term in, generally? Past and present. Okay, yeah, right? We've got past, really, we've got one one of which is describing the whole process of salvation, right? We could say salvation, and really so many things fall under that umbrella. The second is that it's linked to specific events in time, right? And past, present, future. And so salvation used in both of those terms. Moving from that, now this week, looking at sanctification, which is, of course, to set apart or to be set apart unto God. Uh, This idea of being freed from sin, uh, growing in divine grace, uh, is how Webster defines sanctification. And uh, really, in sanctification, we also see that there are a couple of different senses that we look at this word in. And that's what we're going to spend a good deal of our time on this morning. The first sense that we look at sanctification and the way that we use this word and understand it is that we are presently in position sanctified before God. So first, in position. The second is that we are in the midst of a process of ongoing sanctification, right? So in the one sense, here we are fully sanctified, right, in the eyes of God, and yet in the other sense, here we are working out our salvation, right, in in terms of uh, becoming more and more morally pure and and, uh, righteous in our conduct. So those are really the two things that we're going to look at together uh, today, and we're going to kind of try and tie all of that together in this greater picture of salvation. Uh, We will not get into glorification today. Uh, We're saving glorification for next week, so make sure you're here, because glorification happens next week. (laughs) All right. Sean will be back for that. Okay. So, sanctification. Uh, As I was looking over Sean's materials, and he's given me so much to work with, uh, so we have a lot to look at today, 
but the first idea that we have to grasp in kind of playing off of what we've already talked about uh, in the introduction is this twofold concept. And we're going to bear this out a little bit more. Uh, one of them is, of course, we're positionally sanctified or made holy in the sight of God. And then we have this day-to-day outline <coughs> of our sanctification. Uh, we're being molded and shaped into uh, the likeness of God. Okay? Um, let's look at the first one. The first one we'll look at is position. We'll spend a little bit of time expounding on that. First of all, it's important to understand that if we are in Christ, right, and let's define that real briefly. When we say in Christ, what we mean is, is that if we have indeed been called by God, the Father, to the person and work of his Son, Jesus, we've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit that results in our eyes being opened to the reality of our sin, as well as our need for Christ's atoning work um, to make us righteous and holy, we are then, because of those things, living lives that are increasing in love and obedience to him. Okay, so that is what we mean when we say, if we are in Christ. Okay? So, that said, if we are in Christ, we are indeed sanctified before God. Okay, Now this is, again, positionally, this is, we can almost look at this in terms of a past and or present uh, status. Right? This is not something that we are still waiting for to come. We are indeed sanctified uh, before God. Uh, if you look in your handout on page 53, uh, you'll see we'll pick up there right under sanctification heading. Picking up there, it says, It is no small thing that God has sanctified those who are in Christ. Indeed, for those who have come to him, they are recognized or reckoned as holy... holy and without blemish in position before God. The sacrifice of Christ has completely covered over the sin of his people and his sinless life of perfect righteousness has been imputed to their account. Christ Jesus is a perfect priest who accomplished a perfect mediation between God and man. We can have confidence and assurance before God because, and I would insert only because, of what Christ has done. Jesus has merited for us eternal salvation by his broken body and his shed blood. The debt of our sins has been paid in full, which we would recognize, of course, as redemption. Secondly, our guilt has been removed. and We've talked about that whole idea of expiation, right, where our sin is taken and it is no longer counted against us. And then the wrath of God on our behalf has been satisfied. So Christ is our propitiation. Everybody remember that word that we've talked about so much, right? That he is literally the sacrifice, right? That uh, is, is put before God, okay? It's true that it is no small thing that we are indeed sanctified, okay? This is huge when we realize the implications of God seeing us as positionally sanctified in his sight. Uh, let's look at some verses that bear this out. Uh, you'll see down below there Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 10, and then also verse 14. Verse 10 says, By this will, and that is, by the way, if you look back uh, further and kind of get the passage running up to the uh, verse 10 in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, what it's speaking of there is this will of God whereby Christ is um, 
again, acting as our salvation, right? So it is by the will of God who has provided the perfect sacrifice of Jesus for our atonement. It's by that same will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Okay, so we have been sanctified. Okay, again, speaking of a uh, an event that has taken place, and of course now we are presently living in this sanctified status uh, in terms of our position before God. Uh, verse 14 says, "For by one offering He has perfected for all time those who are sanctified." Okay, very very clear verbiage talking about the fact that He has perfected for all time those who what are sanctified. So here we are, positionally sanctified, and Christ is perfecting and has perfected us in that. Okay, um, Very, very important idea here, and really this speaks so much to the heart of imputation, right? where Christ's righteousness now becomes our righteousness. Okay, We see this in Scripture where we are, uh, Scripture talks about it being that we are as uh, his heirs, right? that we are hidden in Christ. Okay, here we are. All of our righteousness certainly is not our own righteousness. We know what the Bible says about that, right? And uh, the, the righteousness that we have is completely and totally Christ's righteousness. So we are hidden in him. Uh, another verse that expounds on this, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 and 31. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption that just as it is written let him who boasts boast in the Lord so here again in 1 Corinthians we see not only is Christ Jesus our wisdom from God and righteousness but he is also our sanctification okay so in this again we rest in this sanctification positionally before uh, God Colossians Chapter 1, verse 21 and 22 says, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Okay? So speaks a little bit here as well of the nature of this sanctification, right? And we've already seen it in a couple other verses, but the sanctification speaks of us being without blemish. Right? Where else do we see that kind of... Uh, you know, verbiage used that Christ himself, right, is a lamb without blemish, unspotted. So in his righteousness, we now in him have that righteousness that is not our own, but belongs to God that he has imputed to us. This is glorious. The The ramifications of this are so far reaching. We'll look at these more as we continue walking through this, but, but consider that. Here we are, right, seated in heavenly places, righteous and and sanctified before God. Doesn't that speak to the comprehensive nature of Christ's death and resurrection? Christ's blood and his work on the cross is powerful. Amen? Amen. Um, let's continue looking here. You'll see 1 Corinthians chapter 6, another verse here, uh, or chapter 6, verse 11, says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. 
Okay, so here talking about uh, really the past, right? That we were, but such were some of you, right? So what are we speaking of there? You know, run up to that. Well, we know what we were before we came to Christ. Amen. But now, now we are washed. Now we are sanctified. Okay, we are holy and without blemish before God. We're also justified. All of this being in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Man, doesn't this speak to why and how we should be clinging to Christ? Um, Amen. So, here we see the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. We're going to talk more about the work that the Spirit does in sanctification as we look at the second piece of this, uh, which is the practical uh, outlay of our sanctification. Okay? So, the Scripture clearly speaks of this positional sanctification as having already taken place for the believer. Again, this is to say that God sees his children as holy and without blemish. Indeed, he only sees us this way because we are not standing uncovered in the nakedness of our own merit, but rather as co-heirs hidden in the only acceptable sacrifice, which is Christ himself. It's important for us to remember that God deals in eternity and I, this, this struck me this last week as I was looking at this. And I was trying to get my brain around how is it that we are positionally sanctified right now. Here I am, Ryan Bobbin, right, as a sinner in time and space. And yet in position before God, I am without blemish. I am holy. How does that whole thing work? Um, anybody else struggle with that? Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Here's the thing that, that struck me, though. As I was looking at the scripture and reading through it, it became very apparent to me that we consider the nature of God himself. It starts to open up our eyes to this. And while I don't necessarily now have you know, some kind of wonderful prescience of mind that I can understand this in its completeness, it is very eye-opening when we realize that God alone has the unique, uh, complete, and comprehensive prerogative of being in eternity and seeing these things from the heavenlies, not from where we at are at currently in our fallen state in the world, right? And we have to remember that. We have a tendency, uh, and I do this all the time in more ways than we could probably name on a list, but we tend to think that God is like us, do we not? And so we think, well, I think of things this way. This must be how God thinks of things, and that is not how it is, okay? God's ways are not our ways, And so when we consider that, we can realize that, you know what, even though we don't completely comprehend this, the scripture says it. And our part is not to play the part of God or to, uh, you know, lay over our ideologies on him. Ours is to believe what he says and to be obedient to it, to live in it. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So uh, Christ's work on the cross is powerful and it fully accomplished our redemption completely. So, uh, consider that, right? Here we have this positional uh, sanctification before God. I'd like to now kind of change gears a little bit. We've kind of set that uh, stage that we are before God sanctified. Now, what does the other side of it look like? What does the practical piece uh, look like? And that is, uh, you'll see here on your handout, continuing on, indeed, it is true that Christ Jesus died to sanctify and cleanse us from our sins and that through him 
we have been justified or declared righteous. Although we have been sanctified in position before God, the Lord is actively sanctifying this process us in our conduct and our practice. The work of salvation is continuing in those of us who are actually being saved. God is the primary agent in this process. And we're going to speak a little bit more to that uh, because we want to make sure that we're not... um, We're not misunderstanding the relationship that God has and we have in this whole practical sanctification process. Uh, There's a couple of different um, errors that if we go from one end of the spectrum to the other, we can kind of, you know, actually have an understanding that's unbiblical. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Okay, so God is the primary agent in this process. Okay, let's pause for a moment and just talk a little bit more about that. Consider the parallel that we see even in our own salvation, right? So backtracking to last week's topic where we look at the actual piece of salvation where we are saved by God's grace, okay? Is God not the primary agent in our salvation? Amen, Amen, right? He is the one who seeks us. While we were yet sinners, right? Christ died for us, okay? Uh, Too many scriptures to name that speak of God's initiating love toward us in salvation, It is not unlike that in sanctification as well. God is the primary agent. Okay, God is the one who seeks and sets forth and works in our hearts and minds that we might desire what is good, right? That we might strive to be morally pure. God is the one who is doing that work in our hearts by the agent of the Holy Spirit. Okay, that is if we are redeemed. Okay. You cannot be sanctified if you are not regenerate. Okay? I mean, I I know that probably goes without saying, but it's important to realize is that we in our own works cannot be sanctified. Uh, You know, we have a a world of people who talk about and live out this whole idea that, you know, well, he's just a good person, or I'm just a good person, and, you know, I'm just always trying to be better. And, I mean, you look at the top ten list of books, out there, right? Top 10 list. How many of those are self-help, right? How many people are out there trying to sanctify themselves without the power of God to assist them? It's everybody, everybody, right? And it is it is a vain attempt, okay? And I, please don't misunderstand me. I don't mean to say that in a, in a condescending way as a believer. We should be praying, for those, we should be ministering and sharing with those who think that they can make themselves right by their own good works. Okay, that, that's what we are to be doing as believers. So, again, uh, the whole idea there, really, that we're trying to get at is that God is the one who is initiating, and He is the primary cause of our sanctification. Okay, so um, we as humans are no more capable of sanctifying ourselves than we are of saving ourselves. Without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we would be powerless against temptation and sin, continuing to trample the grace of God under our feet. This practical aspect of salvation will not be completed until the resurrection of our bodies. Okay, So there is a hope, a future that we are looking for uh, in this sanctification. And don't we all yearn for that? Man, not a day goes by that I don't wake up and think, Lord, come quickly. You know, what a struggle sanctification can be. And yet, 
uh, I was trying to consider this, and we'll flesh this out a little bit more if we have time today, but consider how God is glorified in our sanctification in this ongoing process, right? Uh, ponder that. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it. Let's look at some uh, passages that speak to the practical side of uh, our sanctification. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, so what does this mean? Well, he who began the good work in us, which we would certainly understand that to be God himself, right, in Christ, uh, will perfect it, that is, the good work that he is doing in our lives, until the day of Christ Jesus. Okay, this is a process. This is not something where uh, we are regenerate, we come to know the Lord, we are saved, and all of a sudden, all of those things that we have struggled with in our past, uh, you know, before Christian life are just laid to the wayside and we no longer have to deal with those. We certainly feel like that would really be a great thing <laughs> most days, don't we? But that's not how God has chosen to do it, okay? So we have great hope, though, that Christ is never going to start something that he will not finish to perfect completion, okay? This is our hope, Christians. This is our hope. Christ will finish what he started. John, chapter 17, verse 17, says, Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Think about what this means, right? So here, Christ is speaking, and he says, okay, so uh, speaking of the disciples, right? Sanctify them in the truth. What is truth? Thy word. Thy word is truth. I was convicted of this uh, this last week, uh, and that is that one of the primary um, agents of our sanctification, right, is the Word. And I know that we harp on it so much here, but uh, we should harp on it. We need to be reminded. I don't know about any of you, but if I hear something, I heard something yesterday, and I've slept since then, it's gone. And the older I get, the worse it gets. So we need to... I know. I know. That's right. All right. All right. That's right. Yeah. Well, I'm over the 30 mark now, so... It's all, it's all downhill. All right. Oh, let's pray. God help us. Okay. But think about this, right? Sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. What does this speak to in terms of how we should be living our lives if we are being sanctified? We should be in the word. We should be in the word. Uh, You know, again, this is, I I know uh, that so many of you are in the word and it's evident. Um, but you know what? There are times where it's a struggle for me to get in the Word. I'll admit, it is a struggle. And I'm not in the Word as much as I could be or should be. You know, And I would dare say that that's probably true of every one of us, that there are, there are ways that we could be in the Word more and that we should be. Because you think about it, this was uh, something that the Lord has really, I believe, been laying on my heart in recent times. Uh, I spoke to it a little bit in... Uh, uh, a few Wednesdays ago uh, when I spoke on a Wednesday night. And that is this whole idea of kind of even what Sean has talked about in times past, that what does it look like for Christians to have a godly love 
Right? What does the outworking of our salvation produce? What should it look like in practical ways? And if you think about it, think about this whole relationship between the uh, right out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks, right? Okay, so what is the Bible saying? What is it that is in our hearts? Okay, what is in our hearts comes out of our mouth, and I would submit comes out in our actions as well. Okay, well, how do we change what is in our heart? Okay, well, on the one hand, we certainly acknowledge that when we are regenerate, we have been given a new heart, right? We have now been given the ability to see and understand spiritual things that we did not have before we came to know the Lord. So in that sense, we have been provided with that. On the other hand, we are responsible for making sure that we are putting things into our mind so that we can take captive all of those thoughts and that we can have an effect on how we think about things, how we feel about things, and how we respond to things in our actions. And uh, as much as it has been an admonishment to me, just from the Lord, I, I genuinely believe, I would encourage and admonish you all to consider these things. What is it, right? And this speaks to the heart of sanctification. What are we putting into our minds? Okay, what are we what are we seeing, watching, listening to, uh, participating in that uh, could be counteractive in our sanctification, right? Um, and I, that's that's that hits home for me. Uh, that's difficult because I know that there are things that I'm thinking, man, that is that is not a good thing. I I need to be putting that aside. I need to be laying aside all those things that encumber, right? As Paul talks about, um, well, not necessarily Paul. Depends on who you think wrote Hebrews, right? Um, I don't think he did. Um, but we need to lay those things aside, okay? So uh, consider that, right? The word is how we are sanctified, or one of the primary methods by which our sanctification happens, okay? So we need to be in the word. Uh, continuing on, John chapter 17 and then uh, verse 19 says, And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. This is a beautiful picture here of Christ speaking of his own sanctity, right? His own sanctification, and that that is in his sanctification we are sanctified, right? Again, this whole idea that we are hidden in Christ and our righteousness, our sanctification exists in him and in him alone. Okay? We need to cling to the Lord. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 through 24 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and body, or spirit and soul and body, be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and also he also will bring it to pass. Okay? Promises that our sanctification will be made complete. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7 through 8 says, So that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Christ is working at our salvation that we will indeed come to the end and at that point we will of course be glorified looking forward to that. But that sanctification process is ongoing. 
Okay. Um, there are a couple of things I want to kind of take a little bit of a detour here uh, and talk a little bit more about a couple of different roles um, that we play in the sanctification process. And uh, anybody who's got Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology, uh, you are, um, I would encourage you to go check out that chapter, if you haven't already, but revisit it, uh, where he speaks about sanctification. This is really what I'm pulling from here. He's got some verses that I want to share with you and just some ideas that I'd like to flesh out. And that is about the practicality of this sanctification process. Um, he goes in and speaks about the fact that, uh, number one, the sanctification process, although we understand that God himself is the primary cause for our sanctification, right? Um, and uh, you know that he is indeed working in our hearts and minds to bring those desires about. We also have a responsibility to cooperate with God in this sanctification process. Okay, uh, I know that there are those out there who don't necessarily see this that way. And um, perhaps here today, I don't think so. I, I hope not. But there is this whole idea that uh, you can kind of swing from one side of the pendulum to the other, where some will say, you know what, God is the primary cause of our sanctification, and he really is responsible for the whole thing entirely, and I have no responsibility in it whatsoever. This is not biblical, okay? I mean, read any passage in the New Testament where it's talking about uh, urging us on to moral purity and to do what is right and to shun evil and to run from what is wrong and cling to what is good. We realize that, I mean, all of the New Testament writings are encouraging us and admonishing us to act and to take ownership and responsibility for our own actions, okay? Understanding that... The Spirit of God is the one who's empowering us to do that. Okay, So uh, there's that whole kind of piece. The other side of that is, is that if we swing to the other side of the pendulum and we say our sanctification relies entirely upon us, that is not correct either. We, If we are trying to do the work of sanctification outside of our reliance on the Spirit of God, we are fighting a losing battle. Okay, And, and quite frankly, and I... Uh, I don't want to tick anybody off, um, but the the whole idea that the Roman Catholic Church has about sanctification and how it relates to justification is on this side of things, right? They say you cannot be sanctified and positionally before God until you are truly sanctified and perfect, right? So they wouldn't say, yeah, you're you're sanctified positionally over here and that is working out because God would be lying, right? God certainly wouldn't call you sanctified if indeed you were not sanctified. Okay? But the scripture is very clear where it tells us that we are positionally sanctified and we are working out that sanctification in practice. Okay? Again, our responsibility, uh, you know, and I've got uh, friends, I've got family that, that hold to these ideas. Um, make sure that as we are, uh, as you and I are ministering to them, that we are going to them in love, that we're going to them in patience, and that we're expounding on these things gently. Um, not all of us, right, we're at the point of understanding where we are now, and it took us that sanctification process to even understand the things that we do now. So we need to minister to those who don't have that uh, while obviously being bold and proclaiming the truth. Um, but what you have on this side... We hold up uh, the sanctification as our own works that are somehow achieving a righteousness with God. 
we've now taken away the fact that right we are justified by faith alone right we we're saying now i am now somehow working towards my salvation and adding something to it and that that sanctification process is um i'm not actually sanctified over here until i'm really sanctified over here and the bible doesn't say that okay uh, we are sanctified here. We are being sanctified here. Okay, both are true. So um, that that exactly, and that is at the heart. Uh, uh, yeah, and Greg Greg just said that it's at the heart of imputation, which it is, right? Um, and uh, I was listening to some messages even this past week that were speaking about kind of that whole idea, right? And that is a that is gosh, justification is the hinge. Is it not how we understand justification properly? Uh, and if we don't understand it properly, uh, that is the linchpin of our faith. And really where we're going to be, uh, we're going to differ from others who don't have that same uh, understanding. Um, so, yeah, imputation is huge. We have Christ's righteousness imputed to us. That is glorious. Okay, We don't have to work for our salvation. Okay? It's not something we're trying to gain by doing so many good things and not doing so many bad things. Certainly that's an outlay or a result of it, but not the cause of it. All right, so uh, here we have this, again, this idea that uh, we are cooperating with God. God is primary, but we do have responsibility in the sanctification process. Um, and a couple of passages that I want to share with you here, uh, and if you want to jot these down and look at them later, uh, you are welcome to. Uh, first one here uh, in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Philippians 2:13, Paul tells the Philippians, God is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. Okay, so God is at work within you. Okay, so God is primary, but we are also responsible for responding to that appropriately and living that out. Okay. Um, so God is the one who causes us to uh, to desire to be sanctified and actually gives us the power to be sanctified. Uh, this whole idea of our role in sanctification, there are a couple of ideas I want to touch on. The first one is, uh, really, the, the whole idea is that we have a passive role in our sanctification and that we have an active role in our sanctification. And again, Grudem kind of puts this out, so I'm going to read a little bit from how he lays this argument out. Uh, but it says that the role that we play in sanctification is both a passive one in which we depend on God to sanctify us and an active one in which we strive to obey God and take steps that will increase our sanctification. Okay, So let's look at a little bit at both of these elements uh, just briefly so that we have a good understanding. The passive uh, aspect or the passive role that we play uh, in sanctification is seen in texts that encourage us to trust God and to pray to ask him to sanctify us. Okay, So in this sense, although we, we are desiring, right, this is a passive thing. This is where we are relying on the power of God to do his good work in our hearts and minds uh, and our desires to be sanctified. Okay, uh, Romans 12.1 uh, speaks a little bit of this. Uh, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, So uh, we are uh, also Romans 6. Yield yourselves to God as men who have been brought from death to life. Uh, that's Romans 6.13. That's what that is. Okay, 
Yield yourself to God as one who has been brought from death to life. Okay? It's this, this yielding that we are and reliance on, on God to provide the power and the strength to do this uh, work that he has asked us to do. Okay? Um, we cannot stop there, though, because if we understand our role in sanctification to be strictly passive, what does that look like in how we live our lives and make our decisions now? It's all on God. I'm not responsible for what I'm doing. I'm just praying and asking that he's going to do some kind of you know, miraculous thing whereby I am growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Okay? We have to also play the active role. And so let's look at that a little bit. The active role which we are to play is indicated in Romans chapter 8, verse 13. And here Paul says, If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay? This is a beautiful passage where it really draws in both sides of what's happening here. Right? So how are we doing this? Well, it says we are doing this by the Spirit, Who is to put to death? You. You are to put to death the deeds of the flesh. Okay? So, relying on God's power to do it, responsibility of of us to put to death the deeds of uh, of wickedness and all all the things that we know we are not to be doing. Okay? Um, There's a few others here, actually, that I want to share with you. And this is a uh, pretty exhaustive list of passages that speak to this whole idea. I'm just going to kind of hit on some of these. If you all want more examples uh, than I'm going to share here, then feel free to grab me afterwards and I'd be happy to give you some of the passages as well. But our active role, um, let's see, Romans 8, 12, 13, we just talked about that. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8, says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man, uh, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things. Just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, For God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but for sanctification. Consequently, he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Okay? The the real key to that is even right up there in the first couple of lines of that verse. So this is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, um, that uh, lustful passions, uh, that you do not transgress and defraud your neighbor. Or your brother, right? Those are all the things that it says you are not to do. Okay? We can't throw up our hands and say, well, I'm relying on God to sanctify me and my actions don't have you know, any bearing on that. I don't have any responsibility to make moral choices according to the will of God. Okay? We play a part and we are to abstain from those things. Second um, Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Okay? We are to cleanse ourselves. Okay? This is not our own strength. We understand that. 
But in the power of God, we are to be cleansing ourselves. Okay, We are responsible for those decisions. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 uh, alluded to this earlier. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Okay, uh, It's uh, 12, 1 through 2. I'm sorry. Right? So we are commanded to lay aside all these encumbrances, all these things that hinder us. Okay? We have the responsibility to acknowledge what those are and to lay them aside. Um, there's several others here. I'm not going to go over all of these because time tends to get away from us so quickly. Okay? Um, so, speaking again of our responsibility, our active role in the practical outliving or living out of our sanctification. So, uh, continuing on your handout, it uh, says, although it is true that in Christ we have been justified or declared righteous, and also that God is the one who continues to sanctify us by his spirit, nevertheless we are commanded to pursue righteousness and holiness in our conduct. We are admonished again and again to be holy and to purify ourselves remaining in repentance. This is the practical aspect of salvation. There, uh, we are to pursue Christ in our behavior and bring honor to his name in our holy and righteous conduct. Therefore, sanctification is a progressive work of God in which we cooperate with God to become free from the practice of sin and progressively practice righteousness in our conduct. In this sense, sanctification is the work of God and the work of the believer. Uh, also goes in, and uh, Sean's got several other passages here that kind of reiterate this. Um, we see Leviticus there. Uh, there's a couple other things that I want to. Uh, I'm going to kind of jump forward. I'm not going to go through all those verses. Um, let's see, jumping forward, First Thessalonians. You'll see this. Uh, First, the will of God, your sanctification. You abstain. We read that one a little bit earlier. Second uh, Peter. Going through that again speaks very, very much to uh, us laying aside what is wrong and doing what is good, Okay, our actions. Uh, I want to jump down then to further this progressive work. Okay, Anybody kind of find where that's at in the handout? Okay. Further, this progressive work of sanctification begins at regeneration, the moment in time where we are born again and increases throughout our lives so that there is a decreasing practice of sinful conduct and an increasing practice of righteous conduct. We are being transformed progressively into the character and likeness or image of Christ Jesus. Um, I'm going to ask the question. So we've looked at all these, and here we even see in Second uh, Corinthians and Romans 8, there's a couple other verses that speak to this, again reiterating what we've already looked at. The thing that struck me as I was looking at this and considering how this should affect me is that, so what does all this mean? right? What does it mean when we look at this and we see that Scripture lays out that we have to rely on Christ for the strength to do this, but that we are also the ones who are volitional beings making choices for good or for bad? What does this mean to us in how we are living our lives? And there are very practical ways that I think it's worthwhile to discuss uh, when we are looking at the sanctification process. Um, I'm convicted 
as I look at this and I think about Christ working his sanctification in my own life. Um, he is so faithful to us, is he not? Even in our um, faithlessness, right, in our um, not being in the word as much as we should, he is still faithful to us in drawing us, right? This is a, a battle and a war. There's a couple other um, things that I read this last week that speak to this, and I think that we would all agree with that. We all understand that there is this battle because now we have right, our, our uh, new nature over here, and yet we still live in these fleshly bodies where we just war right, constantly. Um, we, we need to make sure that as we understand this, that we are taking uh, ownership and we are understanding that every decision that we make, every action that we have, is part of that process of our sanctification. And that we're responsible to God for it. Um, again, I, I can't can't reiterate this enough just because it's been on my heart so much. But what is it that is going into our our eyes and our, our ears, our hearts, our minds? Right? Um, th- this relationship between the heart and the mind and the body as it acts uh, is very apparent in Scripture. And I, I think it's something that we, too often times, we make it so mystical, right? And we think... Wow, well, you know, this, this whole idea that, you know, what's, what's in the heart speaks. Well, what's the heart and all that? It's, it's very practical. What is in our heart is affected by what is going into our minds and how we are interpreting that information that's going into our minds. Are we interpreting it through the lens of Scripture and saying, that is bad, that is profitable, and what is bad, we're shunning, what's profitable, we're not only taking in but being deliberate about and meditating on. Right? I mean, we should be meditating on the goodness of God on a consistent, continual basis. Right? These things here, uh, just the work that Christ has done in sanctifying me this week in studying sanctification has been just enormous. And I would encourage you this week as you go out and you think about these things that we've looked at, that you consider everything that I'm running into, everything that I'm encountering in my life, there is... A, an opportunity for me to be sanctified in how I deal with whatever it is, right? How, how is it that I'm dealing with my family, right? How is it that I'm dealing with my wife and speaking to her and serving her? That is God sanctifying me in that relationship with my spouse. What about my kids? You know, we were joking around earlier up here uh, about the angry dad voice, Saying, call them, you know, call them together. Use your angry dad voice. And I have an angry dad voice. It's a very good one. You may have heard it in the halls a time or two, <laughs> right? But how is it that I'm interacting with my children? Am I being sanctified? Am I showing them that from moment to moment I'm growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ and how I act and treat them, right? Or am I flying off the handle and using that angry dad voice? Right and and kind of losing it. If I'm considering that everything that I, every relationship that I have, every interaction is an opportunity for me to be sanctified, it changes how I respond. Right. And not only that, but how am I feeding and and giving the uh, my heart and my mind the proper information to be able to make those kinds of good choices? Right. Am I in the word? Uh, something that is consistent around our house. <coughs> is our speech, and uh, we are always harping on it. Um, 
Stace and I with each other, with our kids, and that is how are we speaking to each other? Because that, that can be a struggle for us, you know? There are times where we get kind of, you know, the emotional flavor of things gets heightened, and all of a sudden, you know, it, we're getting snappy with each other. And we have to come back and say, well, wait a second, what does the scripture say about that? You know, how should our speech be? Should it be in gentleness and in kindness? Right? Should we be putting off malice? Right? Um, should we be angry and then being, you know, just acting out in that anger? Or should we be angry and not sin? Right? These are the things. I think that too often we, we read these passages in Scripture. I'm thinking of several that, uh, just off the top of my head, in, in Galatians, in First uh, Peter, they even talk about that one element of just our speech and how we interact. Our, yeah, James as well, right? Are we, are we taking that in and then not just taking it in and then leaving and walking away like a man who's forgotten what his reflection looks like in the mirror? Or are we obeying the word of God? Are we saying, wait a second, I, I spoke way too quickly there. I didn't listen, right? That is the work of God sanctifying us. As, as we're in the word, the spirit of God brings those things to our remembrance and we're convicted of those things and we are sanctified and our, our moral and our um, proper conduct increases and hopefully our immoral conduct decreases. Amen? Amen. Um, I'll tell you what. I I am so grateful for God's patience with me. And I don't think that I see that any more clearly than when I look at the process of sanctification. Because God is so patient with us. Right? It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. Is it not? And he is so kind to us. You know, we need to keep these things in mind. Uh, we need to make sure that we are um, in the word, that we're obeying it, that we're doing what he's asked us to do, and uh, that we are continually considering how we can be sanctified from glory to glory, right? Understanding, of course, that we're relying on him for the power to do that. Okay? Um, is it 10.30 almost? Got five minutes? Okay. Because I have to play at the second service, we're going to cut it just a little bit short so I can go tune. I tune because I care, by the way. <laughs> Um, so uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer and let's wrap up for today Heavenly Father Lord we are struck and we are Lord I am speechless when I consider Lord what you have done in saving me Lord and as I understand the where I have come from, Lord, and where you have brought me to. I am, Lord, filled with thanksgiving. Lord, I ask that you would, through your word, as we have looked at it this morning, that you would indeed, as you've promised, do your good work of sanctification in our lives. Lord, we thank you that you have sanctified us positionally before you. Lord, that when you look at us, you do not see our filthiness, Lord, but you see Christ's perfect, Lord, merit. We are hidden in him. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for uh, looking at our situation, Lord, understanding it, for laying out your plan of salvation before time began, 
Lord, indeed, before the foundations of the earth. Lord, Christ was slain, we were chosen. Lord, and in that, we are saved. Lord, we ask that today, that we would not leave here. Lord, as so many times we uh, do and can, and just walk away from what it is that we have seen in your word and not apply it. Lord, we acknowledge and recognize that we have responsibility. Lord, that in your saving us, you have empowered us through your spirit to do the things that you've called us to do. And so we ask you, Lord, again, for renewed strength to do what is right, to shun what is evil. Lord, to be sanctified. Lord, that we might glorify you in our actions, in our thoughts, in our speech. And Lord, all of this, that when we come to the day of glorification, Lord, when we see you face to face, uh, that we can, Lord, understand and just embrace this glorification. Lord, that we can see how you worked in us throughout our lives, bringing us to a greater understanding of your nature and your character and your love. Lord, you are so kind to us, and we thank you for this kindness. Lord, strengthen us, encourage us, and help us to go out and do these good things that you've asked us to do. Lord, indeed, commanded us to do. It's in your precious Son's name we pray. Amen.